Brett Fuller, and this is your 15. Today, we're going to tackle the question of how do you live in the power of your salvation? First, you need to realize this, that you are incapable of living the way you should. You have no ability to live right. I don't. None of us do. We are all bent the wrong way. This is best evidenced by those who have children. I can remember when my little ones were born and the hope that I had that this one was going to be different because God had given me principles of how to raise children right. And I'd read my Bible and I wanted to put them into play and see what would turn out. Man, my child can be different than any other kid. It's going to be really great. Until that first moment when my boy just looked at me when I was trying to teach him something about sharing, and he looked at me and said, no. I said, what? You, you, where that, I didn't teach that you were, everything on the inside of me was, was in disbelief about this child who had defied his authority, that I had loved him and cared for him and done everything I knew how to do to nurture within him a heart of obedience, and yet something on the inside of him was bent the other way. You know, we never have to teach our children to disobey. We do have to teach them to obey. We never have to teach them to be selfish. We never have to teach them to be mean. We never have to teach them to, to lie. It just kind of comes naturally. But we do have to teach them to be truthful. We do have to teach them to be nice, and we do have to teach them to share. Why is that? Because none of us are able to live the way we should. We are wired wrongly. There's something on the inside of us that is bent toward doing the wrong thing. We inherited it honestly. We got it from Adam and Eve. We could not do any other. Though we try as best we can, we can't live the way we should. And when you realize your inability, then you'll cry out for help. Paul said it like this in Romans chapter 7, verse 18. He says, I can't do what it is I want to do because it's, it's my flesh that goes the wrong way. For the willingness is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. Paul was struggling with this idea of, boy, I want to do it, but I can't do it. Yet I want to do it and I can't do it. I'm struggling and we all struggle with that. It is only the grace of God that enables us to live the way we should. Otherwise, we are left to our own devices and we have proven. Our track record has already stated we will fail. How do we live in the power of our salvation? First realizing we can't do it on our own. And we must raise the white flag of surrender over our life and say, I'm sorry, God. I quit. I quit. I surrender completely to you. Run my life the way you wish. Secondly, we need to receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 8, that the Holy Spirit was going to be the one who would empower the disciples to be the kind of witnesses that they needed to be to the world. They couldn't do it on their own. Good theology just was not going to cut it. Experience and hanging around with Jesus and, and getting his mannerisms and understanding the culture he was trying to build just wasn't going to cut it. They were going to have to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit themselves that was unusual. And he said, I don't want you to leave Jerusalem until you get this. Don't go out ministering just on the experience of understanding that I've been raised from the dead. Don't go out and minister just based on the education I've given you from the period of time where I rose from the dead till now, which was 40 days. 
Don't go out just on your enthusiasm, believing, wow, we have seen something nobody else has seen and that we have touched the Savior who has risen from the dead, and now we got to go tell somebody. You wait until you have received the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, then and only then will you have the ability to be my witnesses, both in your home ministry base, Jerusalem, to Judea, which was a little bit larger out, a little bit further out than that, Samaria, and then to the remotest parts of the earth. The Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us to do and be what we need to do and what we need to be. If we don't have him, then we're left to our own good understanding, our sanctified common sense. And I need the power of the Holy Spirit every day in my life. I've got seven kids. And yeah, you can pray for me. I got seven. My oldest is now 24. My youngest is 11. And I find that I need the power of the Holy Spirit in my home more than I need it in the pulpit. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to, to give me wisdom, to untie the knots in my kids' brains, to give them direction, to inspire them to greatness, to let them understand what God has called them to be beyond just my own desires and their own. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to make sure that I'm the kind of dad that they need in order to be springboarded into their destiny. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to be a great husband to my wife. And let me tell you something. I got the greatest wife on the planet. She is a much better Christian than I am. She's a better woman than I am, man. I don't deserve this lady. She is absolutely amazing. Cynthia is the most fabulous woman God ever made. If you're married, present company accepted, I got it. But to me, she is all that in a bag of chips. But she married me. Eh, I guess fishing at the shallow end of the relational gene pool. I don't know. But she got me. And so I need God to help me be the kind of man she deserves. I cry out to him on a regular basis when I'm selfish. Lord, help me. I cry out to him when, I, when I'm short or I've had a bad day or frustrations in life just don't allow me to communicate or listen to her as well as I should. I cry out to God and say, make me different empower me. And it has nothing to do with her. It's all me. I need help. I need help with my friends, not with their uh, weaknesses, but with my own to be the kind of friend I need to be. I need help to be the pastor I need to be. I need help. I just flat need help. I need power. And the Holy Spirit is the one who will help me be the witness of who he is wherever I need to be. Thirdly, I need to rely on the Holy Spirit. Not just ask him for his power, but rely on him in all of his aspects. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would remind us in John 14 of the things that Jesus spoke. In fact, Jesus called the Holy Spirit the helper. You need help. I need help. This is the ultimate helper, the Holy Spirit. He helps us in our weaknesses. He helps us in our ignorance. He, he, he is the one who will teach us, he said, all things that, we, that Jesus spoke on. He brings remembrance of those things to our name. He guides us into all truth. He is the one who convicts the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. When you're ministering the gospel, you need the Holy Spirit to help you. You need to partner with him. If you don't know that the Holy Spirit is helping you minister the gospel, then sometimes you will minister the gospel thinking that you need to be, be the one who is convicting. And, and, and it's his job to do so. He is the one who convicts the world concerning sin. Our job is to present the truth. His job is to do the convicting. But if you don't know he's helping you in your presentation of truth to do the convicting as you present it, you will think 
that you need to be the one who does the convicting, and your truth will be ministered much more harshly than it should. We need the Holy Spirit in every respect. We need the Holy Spirit to disclose us things that are to come. That's what it says in John chapter 16, that he will be the one who helps us understand what's down the road. Now, none of us know perfectly. I mean, we don't see it all. But there are things that I know the Holy Spirit has shown me. Trouble, difficulty, uh, results of decisions that if I make them, this will happen. He has shown me these things, and as a result, I don't make them. And I don't fall in the ditch that I would have fallen into had I not listened. He disclosed to me things that were to come. We need to rely upon him on a regular basis. We don't need to treat the Holy Spirit as an it. He is a he. He's not a power. He's a person. We need to speak with him, fellowship with him, dialogue with him on a regular basis. Lastly, we need to recite the word of God. This word needs to be paramount in your life. We don't just need to base our Christian existence on our experiences, but we need to base it on the word. You need to get in this word every day and read. Every day of your life, you need to get in this word and read. You need to meditate on it day and night. God told Joshua in Joshua 1, Joshua 1, do not let this word depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night. Psalm 1, verse 1 through 3, says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night, that he may be careful to do everything that is written in it. And he will be like a tree that is firmly planted by the rivers of water, whose leaf does not fail. And whatever he does, he prospers. When we meditate on this word day and night, and I haven't found a period that's either not day or night, which means we need to be meditating on it constantly. When we meditate on this word, all of a sudden we understand the principles that make us, that help us make great decisions, that lead us in the right way. We need to make this word our best friend. You want, you want to really understand the benefits of salvation? You want to get in this thing and experience victory and, and power on a regular basis? Get in this word every day. And, and you say, well, sometimes, Pastor, I, I, I get it, and I don't understand what I'm, what I'm reading, and it just seems boring. You know, the words don't pop off the page at me. It's just it's tough. Well, go ask a bricklayer, how exciting it is to put one brick upon another. He'll tell you it's boring, mundane, nothing really stimulating about it at all, except when the house is built, then he's got something to live in. And every day you get in this word, you are putting one brick upon another. It might be mundane. There may be nothing spectacular about what you read, but you put a couple of bricks up there and you keep bricking like that, you keep building like that, you will have a house that is impenetrable and able to withstand the storms of life. You need to get in this word and read it every day so that you can base your life on it, not just your theology. God is not just about making you smarter. He's about making you better. There are a lot of very intelligent people that can't figure out how to live well at all. Now, we shouldn't sacrifice intellect just so that we can live integral lives. I think there's a good combination of both. But, but, but why should we not want both? 
Let's figure out how to get in this word and live the way we should so that we can live in the power of our salvation. Victory is supposed to be our portion. We are to live in such power in the Christian life that victory ought to be more experienced than, than defeat. In fact, defeat ought to be the unusual thing. You know the only area in life that most people are pretty satisfied with defeat and, and in fact expect it? It's in Christianity. If you are a coach in the NFL and you play 16 games a year and you lose 14, you're probably going to get fired in a minute. If you're a major league baseball manager and there's 162 games and you lose 100 of them, you probably won't have a job tomorrow. In the NBA, there are 82 and you, you, you only win 20, you're probably going to be unemployed. Yet in Christianity, when somebody fails, we say, oh, I'm only human. Oh, nobody's perfect. We need to remove that kind of stuff out of our vocabulary because we already know we're human. God knew we were human and yet wrote this book so that we could obey in full expectation that we would do so. Victory ought to be our portion. Now again, perfection, you can never confuse me with it, and I don't know anybody on the planet with whom you could confuse perfection, but consistency ought to be the order of the day. And with me, yeah, I blow it from time to time, but I tell you what, in football terms, I'm 12 and 4 every year. By the grace of God, I am ready for the playoffs every year. Baseball terms, I win 100 games every year. Basketball, I win 60 to 65 every year. I'm ready for the next phase. I want to go to the next level and see where I can compete and win. That's how we live in power, is that we, we let this word begin to develop a mentality that says victory is our portion, not defeat, and we can actually live this thing with the power of the Holy Spirit and with this word on the inside of us. We can live in victory every day. That's the way it ought to be, and every Christian ought to expect it. So, this has been your 15.